2: Listening to Tall Can Audio. I have something to say to you. Here's
0: your host. The issue here, sir, is that everyone fucking hates you.
1: Matt Robinson. What's happening everybody? Episode 942 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. As the Good Woman said, my name is Mal Robinson coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. If you want to give us a follow there, we love interacting with you guys, uh, hearing what you think about the shows, where you agree and and certainly where you disagree from time to time. Uh, wherever you're listening right now, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pods, wherever you are, there's a follow button. There's a subscribe button. We'd love it if you'd hit that as well and stick around as there's going to be tons of great stuff uh, coming at you in the future. If you want to go back, And check out episode 941, getting lots of attention, uh, lots of talk there on, um, you know, first of all, there was some hockey, as there always is. Marty San Luis taking over for the Montreal Canadiens, and they've had a bit of a bounce back. So take a look inside that and, and maybe what's going on there a little bit, as well as Jack Eichel and whether or not he's sort of been able to rehab his image While he was rehabbing his neck because he wasn't particularly popular towards the end of his time there in Buffalo. He developed a bit of a a bit of a reputation and it seems now down in Vegas, a lot of people on his side and I'm sure everything he went through had a, a big part in that, but we thought that was interesting to dive into as well as the impact on international sport that we've seen based on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, of course, sport is a very small part of what's happening in the world, a fairly insignificant part of what's happening right now. Um, obviously, thoughts are with the people of Ukraine as they bravely fight on against what's happening there. Um, and the whole world is sort of tied up in this whole thing, but that includes the sports world. So that's sort of where where we focus, right? That's sort of what we do around here. So we took a look at that. Um, and even today, we saw more news on that as the International Paralympic Committee finally relented and said, no, Russia and Belarus will not be allowed to participate in the Paralympic Games, which start this week. Um, this had crept kind of right up to the front door, and, and they had said, no, they're going to be allowed to do it. And it was all bureaucratic and legal bullshit, really, excuses. And, um, you know, it, it'll go to the International Appeal, you know, sp- Sports has its own court, and this will go there, and it might get overturned. We'll see. But the idea is to take a stand, and they folded the first time by saying, no, we just don't think it'll hold up. You take the stand, and then you force someone else to overturn it because you're trying to create as much pressure as you possibly can on Putin. And to just not even try was, was a really embarrassing way to see the IPC handle this. I know a lot of people are shy about taking shots at the Paralympic movement that they would take at any other sport. I'm not, I've just, I've been around this long enough and dealt with these people long enough. And, um, to know that athletes, Paralympic athletes, Paralympians are no different than any other athlete and they want to be treated the exact same way. And it was them who stood up to the IPC and said, Hey, if you're not going to do this, then we will. And you were starting to see countries threaten boycotts. You were starting to see individual athletes and teams say, we're not playing against those guys, um, until the IPC finally had to fold and say, okay, 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 okay." and they, they threw them out and, uh, you know, it sucks for those individual athletes. They're obviously not the ones who invaded, but all of the rest of the sports world has rallied around this in an effort to create maximum pressure on Putin and the Paralympic movement needed to be on side with that. It's good to see that they finally were uh, not going to get into that too deep right here. Just, uh, you know, as a kind of attack on to what we talked about on episode 941, which was the dynamics at play for the sports world uh, in the wake of, of what Putin has done in in Eastern Europe. So lots of that on episode 941, but we don't need to go any further into that today. We want to talk baseball today. So a couple of great guests going to join me here in just a second, Mike Wilner from the Toronto Star and the Deep Left Field podcast, as well as Andrew Stoughton. You guys know him. He's been on a bunch of times before uh, from the Bat Flip and the Blue Jays Happy Hour podcast, both uh, here to join me as we're, we're ready to talk some baseball. This is normally the time where we would be complaining on Twitter that Sportsnet isn't showing us enough spring training games, and when they are, they are Yes Network Yankee feeds, and we're upset about that. Uh, At this point, I would do just about anything for a Yes Network Yankees feed of a Blue Jay game, but that doesn't appear to be on the horizon. But i got a couple of guests here to talk about it with me. Andrew Stoughton's back. How are you today, ma'am? I'm
0: good, man. Thanks for having me.
1: And uh, Mike Wilner is back joining us again as well. How are you? Doing all right, thank you. Thanks, uh thanks for having me too. Well, I appreciate you guys making a little bit of time. And uh, you know what? Let's just kinda get right into it and talk about where we're at, where we're going, and and don't wait for me to to hand you the ball. If you got something to say, cut me off, interrupt me. It's all it's all good here. That's that's how we do things. But I will start with you, Andrew. When we've seen now that the, the gate the season has been delayed at least six games. I can't imagine that it's going to be only six games, but but we'll see there did appear to be some movement at the last possible moment there on the last night. Uh, it's come out since then that maybe that was planted by the owners to, to just put the blame back on the players. Um, were you buying any of the optimism on Monday night that maybe they were inching closer to a deal?
0: I mean, again, against my better judgment. Yeah. I was totally like, okay, come on, right. Let's get there. And, uh, you know, those Bob Nightingale tweets hit and I was like everybody else, like, you know, uh, I want the players to get a fair deal, and uh, and I want the owners to negotiate in good faith, and it, it seemed like they were, uh, and it did seem like a mo- for a moment, you know, when they extended the deadline, it's like okay, this seems this seems good, um, but then you know you hear comments from players, and uh, you know Ross Stripling's comments, I think were uh, were pretty instructive about how serious the owners actually are, uh, but yeah, I was I, I did allow myself for a moment to get optimistic because I you know. Uh, as you'll be able to tell throughout this conversation I mean this is this is my job and I I don't enjoy the prospect of, of not having anything to do for many more months so I'm sort of hopeful that um, you know uh, I think Ken Rosenthal wrote about uh, how uh, regional sports networks don't need to be rebated for missed games until you get to about 25 so hopefully that's like an inflection point that really uh, changes where the, the owners are at but I think it seems like until we get to that point that they're content to uh to try to drive the players into the ground and it's uh it is bad for the game and bad for everybody except for 30 guys who already have all the money in the world
1: yeah at uh, 20 to 25 games before they start to have to pay money back to those regional broadcasters maybe that is a point where the owners finally start to get serious but mike are you uh, you know we we saw this in 95 but since then you know it's been a pretty Uh, harmonious would be overstating it but a a good working relationship between the players and owners they have avoided these work stoppages are you surprised that we're sitting here at this point in March with you know no games you know clearly scheduled and laid out in front of us as to where we're going I I wish I was
0: (laughs) um I mean, we've been joking about this for yeah, for years. years. Really.
2: That's yeah. right. We've been we've we've known this has been coming since before twenty twenty, uh, and in, you know, in twenty twenty, when the owners uh, probably could have safely played one hundred and twenty games, they there was a group at least so happy to not have to pay players <laughs> that they waited as long as possible to have the shortest possible. Season that would be seen as legitimate. Mm -hmm. I mean, when the NHL and the NBA beats you back onto the court or the ice (laughs) or whatever, and they're indoor winter sports playing in the summer, right? uh, You know, that that wasn't it. Wasn't the pandemic that limited uh, baseball to sixty games in twenty twenty? So we kind of knew then that the owners were really going to lock down this time. They felt like they beat the pants off of Tony Clark in the last negotiations in 2016, and they wanted to build on that. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we knew this was coming. And I, you know, like, like everybody else, was sort of getting excited Monday night when we saw the, you know, the, the top of the 13th inning, and they <laughs> kept going back and forth at 2.30 in the morning. But then, you know, right after midnight, among all those tweets from Bob Nightingale and a couple of other guys, Andy Martino, uh, there was one that said, owners now are bringing up the international draft. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, okay, well, this is an enormous load of crap. Right. I, I had spent a few days. I had Ross Stripling um, on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we'd been going back and forth a little bit. Uh, prior to the, these last couple of days of meetings. And I, after talking to him, I thought to myself, how the hell are the owners going to be the ones to walk away from this and make it look like the players did? And that's how they did it, mm-hmm. by feeding Nightingale and a couple of other people all this optimistic information, Why, while the players... We're never really moving, and the important stuff was never changing, the the CBT threshold and and all that stuff, and yet because of all that optimism on Monday night, they don't make a deal on Tuesday, and I'm thankful that most people are seeing through it, but a lot of people see this as, oh, the players got so close, but... Right, they just yeah, not want or, to do or it, or
0: it's or it's both sides. And I, I you know, yeah. I, I'm in my I'm in my little echo chamber where I, it it is heartening where it, it does it definitely you know I'm I remember ninety three ninety four or, or ninety four ninety five uh, where where it did not feel like the sentiment was like that, and I think even like the NHL you know the 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 seasons that they missed it didn't feel like the sentiment was as strongly with the players as this is right now. But then you go look at. Uh, Evan was mentions and it's like oh no, there's a whole <laughs> world of people out there uh, who are not as as plugged in on this particular side of baseball labor issues that I am and and I'm uh, you know you, it's just a reminder that Twitter isn't real life. So uh, I, I hope that most people see through it. It's, it's heartening that people are uh, are helping them see through it. But, uh, uh, but it is a thing that needs to be seen through because yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's it's very clear that the owners are. Uh, just kind of screwing around here because it's in their financial interest they don't care about the game they, they care about extracting just that little bit more and keeping that power that they already have from like Mike said the uh the previous CBA where I think they the players would probably tell you like they did not do well enough there which I thought I thought at the time actually, and the
2: players know. said five minutes after they signed it that yeah. they didn't do well <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, just for, you know, maybe people who aren't as, as plugged in as, as you guys, is it, you know, in terms of why the owners are so willing to, you know, wait this out right now, is it as simple, you know, obviously there's a million things in the negotiations that they're going through, but in terms of urgency, is it as simple as the owners make their money in the playoffs, the players make theirs in the regular season. So yeah, like there's no urgency right now for the owners to do anything.
2: That and the fact that the owners don't live in the real world. (laughs) <laughs> right. Like like a- Andrew said off the top, these are 30 people and, and you know, there are a couple of corporate owners and a couple of partnerships, a bunch of partnerships uh, who have all the money in the world. And it's true. They do. And and they see this as just another one of their businesses. And they don't. I, I honestly believe they don't wrap their heads around the fact that what they're dealing with is the thousand best baseball players in the world and that you can't just Train up the next thousand and put on the the same quality of uh, uh, an entertainment for for people, but it's also, you know, this whole notion of well, it's our our team. We're putting up all the risk. Who are these people? Why do they think they are owed this this much money when, you know, we're the ones who own this team and we're the ones who uh, pay all the everything and you know it's it's the same as as in any of their other businesses i think they see this ownership class as one thing and the worker class even if they're millionaires as another thing that that uh, if they want to dole out their little trinkets to them that's fine but if they don't that's fine too and i i think you know we're we're starting maybe some people earlier than others but uh we're starting in the last decade or so to understand uh, a little bit more about how the point zero zero one percent view the rest of us. Yeah. And, and I think this is just another piece of that.
0: Uh, absolutely. And I, I would say that what's even crazier is that, I mean, they, they are forced to, you know, the, the big to to. To collectively bargain with the union, and you can see through how they treat the minor league players who don't have that right, uh, what they really think of that oh, and uh, of of that class. and also all the all the people who you know are not employed by major league baseball teams that are or that are that are employed as stadium workers or. Yep. You know, there's all sorts of people whose livelihoods depend on the game, uh, and they could not care less because that's you know that that's so they if they were not forced to you know have to bargain with the players, uh, you know they would the, the players would not be making what
2: they're making. And well, and you know, could that's, see that's
0: the point of the of the whole union, right? Right, and
2: and I, and I think it's it's you know we're we're sort of portraying thirty Mr. Burnses, <laughs> but I don't think we're far wrong. <laughs>
0: I mean, well, there are, there are a few which the hope I think has to be that there are a few they're trying to save themselves from. They don't want yep. Steve Cohen or the Dodgers to go spend so much that that somebody else will have to spend more to actually try to compete. Um, and you know, I I, will, I wonder, I wonder what we're you know in this market. I think that in the Cheyenne and Ben's piece uh, with the Stripling quotes, you know, there were some interesting. I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta have your uh, your radar up for on all sides for this, but but uh, you know I'm I'm not about to to. Say nice things about the people at Rogers. Mike, probably, <laughs> I can understandably want to not do that either. Um, but you know, the Blue Jays are in such a great place here, and they're, they've been spending. They've been sort of compelled to uh, since they were removed from the revenue sharing formula. They used to be, they used to be, be a team that took revenue sharing money in, and then they were excluded when the in the last CBA, when uh, or maybe two CBAs ago, when they were uh, when they changed it to being about market size as opposed to like what you say. Your revenue is, right. and uh, they were no longer able to uh, to to be a have-not team, uh, which surprise impelled them to uh, to to start spending more, um, and so maybe they're on that side of the divide. I don't know, but I, I it, it's sad. So i I'm, I think that there may be. I'm, I'm sure that there is definitely a smaller group of smaller market teams that you know make all of their money before they you know have a single fan go through the gate because they don't pay their players at all that are, are really more responsible than the others for holding the game hostage. But also uh, they're all complicit because they're all, they're not, they're not stopping that
1: from happening. You could see almost the disrespect and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but when the commissioner came out to announce that this was coming, I've seen this before, right? We've all seen Gary Bettman and his smug condescending press conferences about how we're doing this for the fans and we're sorry for whatever. And he, he gives you that, you know, performance that we all know is coming when Rob Manford walked out, he's laughing with one of the reporters. And then later in the Q and a period, he's joking. I don't know what you think is funny right now. Like I'm, I I, maybe that's me being a little too sensitive to what's happening, but at the same time, could you at least give me the song and dance that I'm going to hate anyway, but that how somber this is and how sad this is. And you're sorry. You've had to do this. Like to me, that as much as anything was a window into how ownership views all this.
0: And I'm, I'm hopeful that that, Resonates and uh, you know, outside of you know, beyond my echo chamber, right? I think that, uh, like I think it was the New York Post had a picture of, of Manfred like doing his little, uh, uh, his little golf swing that there was an AP photo that caught him. And, uh, and like, that's the you know, it, I, I can't remember, you know, my, I, my institutional memory of the New York Post back page is not <laughs> great, but it, it, that seemed particularly, uh, Anti commissioner, anti owner for uh, for that publication or any, you know, you, you don't see that, and you and and that was just sort of something that was undeniable. Uh, the laughter at the at the press conference and the way that that that, that was received, and uh, I don't know, I, t- I tend to think of it of that sort of stuff through like like politics. I'll watch a I'll watch a politician whose whose views I hate, and be like, look at, look at that, guy. what a <laughs> jerk, and then other people are like, oh, he seems so you know, other people who are are don't aren't wrapped up in my head right. uh, like have a, a, a wholly different impression of it uh and I'm I'm hopeful that you know I already uh, I was already primed to dislike what Rob Manfred was going to say and I just hope that the people that did see that that weren't uh could see the the smugness there and see uh and and maybe that resonates with them more than you know, when you get into the nitty gritty of like, well, here's where the CBT has gone and here's where revenues have gone and here's where payroll has gone. Like, you know, once you start getting into the facts and figures, a lot of people sort of tune out. I think. Yeah.
2: Um, Mike, I don't know that the, the the non-diehards are really paying that much attention to that and is, as, as bad as it looked. um, I, you know, I think back to the old Jays talk days when people used to call in and say, why are the Blue Jays smiling on the bench when they're losing eight to one? Um, it, it it may well have been a little bit of nervous laughter. Uh, it may well have been a little anxious laughter, but there's no question that he should have known better. And it was, it was wholly inappropriate. Absolutely. It was great. Yeah.
0: As somebody on openly rooting for the other side, I'm like, yeah, make yourself look bad, please.
1: Um, Mike, because of the platform that you have and, and whatever you I'm sure see maybe more than. You know the the echo chamber that Andrew's talking about, and that I certainly subscribe to as well. Your replies, at the best of times, especially when baseball is being played, it can be a bit of a mess to to wade through. But are you seeing the same echo chamber? Are people in your from what you're seeing? siding more with the players than they have in the past in your opinion and if so why do you think that is why because it's always been the same argument Oh, they're they're millionaires being played to play a child's game shut up and go play it does seem more now this time again maybe it's an echo chamber maybe you can speak to this a little more but it does seem like players or people are siding a little more with the players this time than we have seen in the past
2: it it does feel like it and again you know like like Stoughton said, Twitter's not real life. So I don't yes. really know how well to gauge that sort of thing. And, um, you know, because the the bots seem to have disappeared. It's funny that, uh, eh? Lately, some, uh, yeah, some coincidence. Uh, and, and also I've blocked probably a thousand people in the last month and a half. Um, so, you know, so a lot of the idiots aren't getting through anymore. Um, but, but there are still, uh, and I think it, I think it's a not unreasonable perspective that someone who really doesn't follow and that's most people mm-hmm. right, and who really don't know what's going on would say, these guys make millions of dollars what are they what are they upset about? Um, and I think I've taken pains to point out um, not just since this lockout but but way before. And even you know when I worked for Rodgers, the my answer would always be, so you would rather see, you know, Rogers get the money right. than the player. Would you rather <laughs> see the owners pocket the dough? Um, and that that sort of gets through a little bit, but also you know it's it's coming out just how much Major League Baseball pounds the guys who are making the least money. Mm-hmm. I, I I think it was Travis Sachuk who uh, Travis Sochik who writes for the Score now. Um, pointed out that in the NBA, 3% of players make the minimum. In the NHL, 17% of players make the minimum. Might be the, the other way around. I'm not 100% sure. I think you're right. In Major League Baseball, like 53.2% <laughs> of roster time was guys making the minimum. And it's and it's that's not, ridiculous, that's not and
0: it's not a coincidence. They right. are engineering it to be that way.
2: Absolutely, and it should be noted: it is the lowest minimum of the four major professional sports. And when Rob Manfred came out and crowed about uh, the the increase in the minimum salary that the owners offered, he was correct in the amount of the increase. It still would have been the lowest minimum salary, uh, lower than the NHL and the NBA and the NFL. And I guess, not something to be proud of.
1: No, but I guess if we're, you know, to offer the other side of it briefly, and this isn't a side I'm comfortable being on, you're talking about that raise times 53% of your your workforce. It is an, it is a significant raise, right? Like I think a lot of us... Uh, I think it's
2: about $3.5 million.
1: Across the league. Yeah. Okay. Which is well, nothing. No, okay. Well, yeah. thanks for that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> <No problem. laughs> Math is your friend. Yeah. But, I mean,
2: it, we can... We can, um, I can do the math for you, please, right here. Right, you got 26 <laughs> players on 30 teams, so that's 780 players times 130,000, dollars which was the raise in the minimum. It's oh, it's 101, so it's three and a half million per team. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's three and a half million dollars per team. Okay, uh, which is still not like a lot when teams a, are running a payroll crappy middle reliever, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay.
0: No, and, and- I think something that we, you know, I, again, I'm not trying to like divine the the, the, the masses out there that aren't that, that are a little more casual about it, but I think a lot of people see the connection between, or believe that there's a connection between what these guys get paid and what how expensive it is to go to a game and how much right, yeah. yeah. which yeah. Is, which does not exist. No, uh, as, as you can you know. Like, like literally, like what well, my the the go to example is like NCAA. It's like those tickets aren't free, even though those pay- players don't get paid. Right. But even like the NHL, like they, you know, Sidney Crosby makes like, Tanner Roark money. And <laughs> yes. it, it's, it's like it's like yeah, baseball players do do quite well, but that's not dry, that's not, you know, a baseball ticket and a hockey ticket are still, you know, comparable. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not like the fact that there are guys that are making. $40 million a year, it's not changing the price for, for tickets. And I think, understandably, a lot of people think about, you know, well, how does this affect me? Like, if the players take an even bigger stake, then, then, then is that going to, you know, just, is that cost going to be passed on to me? And that does. That, uh, the answer is no. Absolutely no. But, uh, but, 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 that, and that's just not the right way to look at it. Or not, well, not, there's no wrong ways to look at it. <laughs> but, like, but, like, that's just not really what's going on here. Uh, it's really the players are fighting for uh, a, a big, a real, like you know, just a just a fairer deal, and that, yeah. that's just not what they have right now. And and you know, yeah, there's just there's the, the the revenues are exploding and the salaries are stagnating, and that's wrong.
2: The pie keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and the players' piece is staying exactly the same. And if anybody, you know, first of all, baseball remains the cheapest ticket I think out of any of the major sports. If you want to sit up, you know, up top, yeah. Um, that's a cheaper ticket than any of the worst seats in in any of the other sports, uh, but also, if you know, if the players today were to sign a deal um, that cut all their salaries in half, the <laughs> price of a beer would not go down a nickel.
1: Right. <laughs> no, and we saw that from the uh, the first. Well, not one of Gary's lockouts in 0405 in the NHL. (laughs) The Leafs were at like a $90 million payroll. It dropped to $39 million and those ticket prices did not come down one dime. So, um, yeah, there's
0: another another function going on there.
1: For sure. What do we make Uh, of, I I think we've seen that. You know, in the NBA and the NHL for sure, I'm not sure where the NFL is at, but it's mandated as part of the CBA and part of a hard cap that the players get 50% of league revenues. Where is that number in baseball right now? We will never know. Okay. It's significantly lower than 50%.
2: It's one of the reasons why there's no cap because uh, uh, that's tied to revenue because then the owners would actually have to open their books and they have zero interest in doing that. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, I think that I, so I've seen. I wish I could remember who it was, but there was a good Twitter thread about about just this, where the, suggesting I don't know if it was J.J. Cooper, it was, some, it was somebody, but I, but anyway, they were saying like, uh, the, this is what the players should do. They should be like, all right, well, why don't you offer a cap? Why don't, we'll have like the players should offer a cap and be like, you'll you know, you'll need a floor, you can you can have your cap, yeah, uh, but then you'll have to open your books and just call the owners bluff because I don't think the owners would go for it. I think their little de facto cap that is the CBT, uh, is much preferable. You're right. They don't want
1: that floor, right? The Can floors. you
2: imagine <laughs> if they put in a cap and the floor would be probably $90 million, yeah. which is, doesn't sound like much, but it's twice the Pirates and Marlins yeah. and Guardians payrolls. Yeah.
0: Harder, harder to pretend that you don't make money, that you yeah. lose money every year if that's the floor. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, so- it's weird, and I'm like sighing because it's like, right, the players should dig in here and have a real fight. <laughs> like, I would really like to have something to write about, which, you know, because it's how I pay my bills. Yeah. Right. right. Um,
2: this is the thing. You know, I, I agree. They I, I would love to see them really dig in, uh, but that means no baseball this year. Yeah.
1: Let's make this about Toronto for a little while, and, and what does this mean for Rogers, who has already gone through... Um, you know, at uh, the shortened 60 game season with no games in Toronto, uh, last year, it was half of the season in in Florida, half the season in Buffalo before finally getting back to Toronto, again, not at full capacity. Plus you think about all the inventory of, of 162 baseball games throughout the summer. That's a huge chunk of, of what they have to, to run during the summer. It is what makes SportsNet. Um, you know, well ahead of TSN, their competitor in the market, throughout the entire summer. And all of a sudden, that's being threatened. And, And we sort of poked at this a little while ago, but is it possible that the Blue Jays are maybe a little less hawkish than some of the other owners? Do you think they might have a different view? Not to mention the fact they have this young, exciting team that... You know, people want to watch. They want to go to the ballpark to see, and that might have a chance of of doing some damage here in the coming years. Where do we think the Blue Jays and Rogers stand on this? I mean, I was never at any board meetings when I worked for
2: Rogers. You know, I, I never got into the executive suites. I don't know. I can't speak with any sort of authority on on what they uh, are thinking and what they are doing. But just for all the reasons you just laid out. It only makes sense for them to have a season. Um, the Blue Jays provide them so much content. Um, yeah, I, I would think that that. Um, yeah, and it also it's such a huge market. I I, I don't think Toronto is uh, is holding things back. I really don't.
0: I yeah, I would probably agree, but I, I think partly because. Uh, you know we, the, the, none of this affects Rogers like it affects Rogers' sure. media division but yes. like you know the, 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 the Big Rogers is still getting 200 bucks
1: from me every month right
0: <laughs> the, the cell phones and the, yeah. and the cable and all like this is just such a small piece of the pie that, that it can be Edward Rogers' little play thing which probably <laughs> is, is good for the Jays you know, uh, you know. I, again, I don't. I'm not try- I don't want to be too nice to any anybody with that much money <laughs> and that much control. And it and it's and it has the potential, you know, to be bad for people uh, with jobs there because that that is something that happens routinely, as Mike can speak to. You know, the that okay, the media division underperformed. We're going to cut more people. Right. Um. So I think that's bad. It's obviously bad for the city and bad for the fans. And and and, and you know that that's a different thing. But I don't need like it. it Yes, it could hurt Sportsnet's bottom line. They may have to move money from one pocket to another. I don't think I don't think that the it it really makes a dent to the to the company, and that's you know that's that's probably why they're on that side, and that's why it's sort of a, a, a weirdly like a, a setup that they have now with uh, with Edward Rogers, and especially after his you know dramatic power play thing yes. this winter, uh, you know the the that is maybe a good situation to to have a guy who's like. I'm just a rich guy and I own a baseball team and I want I want them to be good, uh, as opposed to you know looking at it as these other owners seem to do, because the, you know, the, the, they did for a very long time try to extract as much money out of the Blue Jays as they could, but uh, but you know I'd, uh, well, it's good for it, now, it's right? It's not that they're not it's not that they're not doing that, but they they do you know I don't know we saw two hundred million dollar contracts handed out by the Blue Jays yep. like like just a couple months ago it's it's. Uh, uh, we also I mean, saw it, it sucks, that it, it sucks to have like, like that, the beginning of that era kneecapped like this because yeah, it is such a, a fun team and it's, you know, it's the fans and it's the people who work at the stadium and it's people who cover the team and it's people who, you know, are you know, every, everything else about the team that, 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 uh, that, that just want to cheer for them that is I think,
1: uh, and this, by all accounts though. We did see that Edward Rogers was the one who tried to hold up or stop the the Raptors and MLSE from locking up Masai Ujiri long term, who by all accounts is like one of the top executives in that game. So it's yeah, fun yeah, for yeah, I now.
0: Don't, I don't want to. I don't want to be too nice to. No, it's to it's Eddie.
1: as long as he's in a good mood and wants to spend on the Blue Jays. Maybe it's good to have an emotional one guy in charge. When he changes his mind, maybe it's not as good. Like we'll see what that looks like. But uh, yeah, I wonder. Is there anything off the top of either of your heads that you guys can think of in terms of what they're actually negotiating over right now? You know, some of their bottom guys maybe obviously get a raise with the league minimum going up, but how are the things that they're fighting over right now tied to this actual roster, and how might it impact the Blue Jays moving forward?
2: That is not the question I thought you were going to ask. When All right, <laughs> but the, the little things—I uh, don't think it, it, it impacts them at I think all they'll,
0: they'll grandfather a lot of things into right over like, uh, the course like i don't think it'll be like oh suddenly vlad's free agent trajectory is is changed
2: yeah and and i don't think that i mean that wasn't even on the table right they weren't talking about the, the players already backed off the service time yeah. stuff they backed off the arbitration bonus pool back down to 22 um so you know maybe when we think that Vlad and Bo are going to be super cheap for another couple of years. Maybe they won't be super cheap, but they'll still be cheap and they'll still be making far, far less than um, what their their value is. So the Blue Jays will be thrilled with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it'll derail any possible extension talks as far as any of that stuff goes. Um, had this happened two years ago, then you know maybe when uh, a lot of these kids were zero to one, instead of coming up on arbitration anyway, it might've changed it. But, but again, not crazy significantly. It's not like somebody making $500,000 was going to start making 14 million or anything like that.
1: Um, what do we think is next? Because we've talked about, you know, the 20 to 25 game mark being where the owners have to start Uh, paying back their regional broadcasters, but I'm sure they have obviously uh, prepared for that. They're well aware of that going in. Uh, Right now, we've seen six games eliminated. Um, Do we think that, like, I I think Manford made it pretty clear he expects the players to be the ones who come back with the next offer, as he said, you know, they made the last one. Um, When do we expect this to, to get real again or to start to heat up again and, you know, are we now into a place where we're lopping games off the schedule anyway, they could start falling pretty fast?
2: I think if I may take issue with one of the things you said there, um, that the owners are prepared for this and understand that they're going to have to be giving back money, I'm not so sure that's true. Hmm. I think a lot of these owners may think as soon as these players lose one paycheck, they're going to come crawling back to us because they're losing so much money and they need all this money and we give them so much money and all of that stuff. I really do believe that's a mindset for some portion of the owners. So if 25 games are missed, that's two paychecks missed. And they may be sitting up there saying, okay, this is when they start to crumble and we get everything we want. I think in Every one of these situations, ownership underestimates the resolve of the labor force. And, you know, when you get to the end of April, the leverage shifts because the owners are now losing money. The owners don't care about April because you get opening day and then you get 12 crappy crowds the rest of the month (laughs) and a bunch of rain outs and snow outs and whatever.
0: And opening so, day, opening day just shifts to wherever. Right,
2: and you're still going to get that yeah, crowd we'll have whenever A-O- it is. And opening day, yeah. because the fans will never say, "You screwed us out of three months of baseball, so we're not going to show up on opening day." It's it's not going to happen. Um, three months, Mike. Come on, don't plant that seed. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, look, the the leverage shifts hard in April towards the players, and if the players are, um, you know, players are upset now more than they were before after what happened. Um, on February 28th, so I really think that the, the owners do simply think that missing a paycheck or two is going to cause the union to splinter, and I don't think it's going to.
0: I I hope that's true. I I think that uh, Craig Calcatero, who does a, a substack, a uh, the, the, the cup of coffee uh, every morning, would, uh, had a great point uh, a month or so ago about how... Uh, just the the nature of the of the structure of how ownership works now is different than in 1994. Like it's uh, uh, there's a lot of debt going on. There's a lot of like money that needs to be going through the system, which hopefully is is, is a little more uh, makes makes some of these guys a little more inclined to uh, to not lose money when that leverage does flip. <laughs>
1: Is it a question of, I think we saw, you know, when we were all getting optimistic there for a little while on Monday, that one of the things that had been agreed upon, uh, owners had wanted expanded playoffs. They had been pushing for 14 teams. I guess they had supposedly agreed on 12. One of the things that has been thrown around that the players could do is say, if you're going to start costing us money in April and May in the regular season, we're going to take expanded playoffs off the table because that's where it costs you money. Do you think that's realistic? Yeah, they've already said that. Yeah.
2: They've said one regular season game canceled means no expanded playoffs. Now it can be salvaged yeah. uh, if the owners just say, "Okay, we'll pay you your full salary no matter how many games we play this year." <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. No. Yeah,
0: and, and uh, there's also like just in the, I think legally they they are allowed to uh, uh, to be compensated for the whole season, you know. And I think that's something that they could, you know, that it, it, you know, in 2020 it was a bit different, but like, but they. They have the right to be to be like, to demand that they get paid for the whatever their full salaries, no matter what.
2: Yeah, they're paid uh, by the season, not by the game on on their contracts.
0: And uh, and and the the legalities of this are always interesting. Eugene Friedman is a great follow on Twitter, who is a labor lawyer who is uh, who has uh, helped me immeasurably uh, wrap my head around some of this stuff. But uh, but like we were, you were saying before, uh, uh, Matt, about like. Uh, uh, the like you know uh, how long will this draw out like there are like actual like legal benchmarks and you know if there is a, that, that was why there was an issue you know that's why Rob Manfred came out on uh, the other day and was like I did not say last best mm-hmm. offer because that's a that's a particular term that actually you know if uh, that that could push this into you know a uh, uh, not mediation but like uh, the
2: the no, that's labor an, review board right will, that's an impasse um,
0: yeah, yeah. If, if you hit impasse then that's then, then there are certain legal things that have to happen uh, which and all of this stuff is why it's <laughs> it's so like inscrutable. I think for so many fans and uh, and even for people like myself who are trying trying to make sense of it all uh, as that the, the, as not a lawyer, but I, but uh, but yeah, it just it, it it won't necessarily go on forever. But I don't know that having to go to the courts is uh, is the preferable solution either. So uh, I think they're currently you know both sides are going to go back and they'll they'll come back to the table whether you know whether the league is going to be serious. Uh, or not, I don't know. But also the players, have been given plenty of reason to like. Like they they made concessions going into you know Monday and and Tuesday. Uh, those th- those don't have to be.
2: No, you can claw those back. Or the, you know, yeah. you
0: could you could claw back stuff. You know, yeah. you can.
2: Yeah, and they, and and they should. Even though it it feels like uh, there's a sentiment that they're gonna gonna just pick up where they left off. But yeah, Andrew's right with all the all the legal stuff had the, you know, remember the strike of 94 that ended because mm-hmm. ownership declared an impasse. The players union filed a, an unfair labor practices complaint and they won. And as soon as, as soon as the judge ruled in the players favor, the strike was over and back they went. Right. And, you know, the owners understand, I think That they have not been negotiating in good faith. They understand that they have been making, as Eugene Friedman said, unserious offers, and that they would lose if it got to um, a national labor relations board uh, issue. And so that's why Manfred was very, very careful not to use any impasse (laughs) language.
0: Um, And then then I think Tony Clark immediately was like, no, he did.
2: Yeah,
1: Yeah. (laughs) of course. (laughs) Um, On Tuesday, we very quickly after the announcement saw the BlueJays.com website claw down the first six games of the season uh, off the schedule. Uh, You might as well pull the whole thing down. Like obviously I would imagine it gets redone. I can't imagine there's any world where they just drop in to the schedule wherever they end up settling this because you want to keep you know, whatever divisional balance is going to have to play out here and, and these sorts of things, let's, let's guess here with a feel for it, like where you guys see this playing out and what day do you think, what date are we going to start playing baseball? Man. Yeah. Cause you, Mike, you threw around three months ago and it scared the shit out of me. So. I mean,
2: like, I hope it's, I hope it's like April 18th, but I, I fear it's more like, um, you know, July 20th. <laughs> oh my God.
0: April, April 2023. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, but I think that, I think the owner showed their hand a bit in 2020, like Mike was saying yep. earlier, that, uh, uh, you know, like the 60 games and playoff TV money, especially if it's expanded playoff TV money, that, and, and also prorated salaries. That's, uh, that seems like that was real good for them. They seem to enjoy that. Uh, that uh, and And, you know, so that's sort of the target that I've had in the back of my mind when I get uh, when I want to feel terrible about yeah, this. Yeah, you guys situation. are a bummer. Uh, like <laughs> you know. Hopefully not. Hopefully that there's something that impels the the owners to 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 change. I think the players' resolve is really strong. I think you know, and I think it'd be like Mike said earlier. Like it, I think it became stronger uh, after all of this business and after the you know the 43 day layoff and just seeing how. Clear it is that these that this is what these guys are trying to do. There, I I I have, was reminded on Twitter yesterday uh, about uh, I think from twenty nineteen that I think it was Mark Carrick from the Athletic had written a, that there was a there's a belt that they, they would give out yes. for the team that suppressed salaries in arbitration the best. You know, these the, like that's sort of the mindset of ownership, and and I think there was quotes out there that people, are, you know, the you know anonymous sources say like yeah they're object is to break the union and I I don't think that's gonna work and unfortunately uh, I think that what really does have to happen is that owners have to start getting scared about what their losses are gonna be um, which is terrifying because these guys have all the money in the world and they really want the structure of it to benefit them as much as possible going forward I, it's you know you, you have to know more about what their actual real dollars are right. to, to understand where the financial calculation is going to be at the point where they they decide okay. But also again it's not a co- like it's a collective but it's it's unique to each team. So there's going to have to be squabbling between the owners and and there's going to have to be like some people defecting from the real hardline stance and and it, that could take that could take a real long time. And uh based on 2020 if they get 60 games plus expanded playoffs they seem like they'll be happy and that's <laughs> uh, that's maybe the point where we're going to have to get to.
2: I wonder because the leverage will have shifted so hard by then that the owners will be panicking, I think. And the the point that Stoughton made earlier about how highly leveraged these guys are now mm-hmm. as opposed to before when, you know, $15 million family fortune was enough to have a team. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> It doesn't work that way anymore. You can,
0: you can pay Storm Davis whatever you want.
2: That's right. <laughs> and, but but these guys may, you know, a lot of them may well be hemorrhaging money by the middle of May or June um, from other businesses as well as having to give back TV dough. So the the leverage may shift hard towards the players um, and, you know, might not be the owners who make that decision about 60 games. Um but, uh, you know that may not be real world thinking. it It feels like the billionaires always win, no matter what. but uh, but I'm really interested to see how this plays out. And hopefully it doesn't get to uh, to the point where, you know it's Father's Day and there's still
1: nothing. Well, I asked the bummer of a question, and I kind of <laughs> wish I hadn't. So rather than wrap up on that, there is some talk that that whether it's in the next couple of weeks or the next couple of months, whenever this starts, You're going to see uh, a couple of weeks like we have never seen in baseball. That could be a ton of fun in terms of free agency, uh, trades, things that were sort of coming close maybe before uh, the lockout that then get finished. Um, Is this a – are you guys counting on that? I mean obviously there will be some degree of it. There's a lot of guys unsigned. But how wild do you expect that kind of period in between the new deal and then – Spring training, summer camp, whatever it's going to look like, starting up. How what's this going to look like?
0: I, I expect to get no sleep. But yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's going to be insane. Yeah, I think
2: so. Yeah, yeah. and I, you know what? I think it may all drop at once because it's very difficult for me to believe that. <laughs> yeah. you know, GMs aren't talking to each other now, and right. they're not talking to agents and, and well, things it's like, like it's that.
0: It's like when NHL free agency right. opens July first. It's like, oh, everybody's signed like this morning by one thirty p.m. Yeah, we, we were yeah. allowed to talk until a couple hours ago, but. Yeah, I, we I, got all these guys signed.
2: <laughs> I think that's ex- that's exactly how it's going to go down, and it'll be interesting to see who the owners are who make the biggest splashes. I don't know if you guys <clears throat> remember way back uh, in the '90s, but this was a-, a couple of years after the strike was resolved, and uh, Jerry Reinsdorf of the White Sox was this huge hawk, and and pushing everybody to you know keep salaries down and and. Wanted the salary cap, tried something a couple of years later, and then signed Albert Bell, the like the biggest contract that, that had ever been signed. Uh and pissed a lot of people off. So uh, Shameless. I'm I'm in you know, I don't think we're gonna see Pittsburgh give Freddie Freeman three hundred million dollars or anything like that. Um you might as well give him the keys to PNC Park. But uh but I do think we're gonna see a lot of a lot of guys sign for a lot of money uh awful quick once this we-
1: and, and well, you reference Freddie trade, Freeman
0: trades too. I think. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Know, I'm sure that you know.
1: What do I'm we sure see? Uh, what do we see? The Blue Jays still needing to do you referenced Freddie Freeman I, I don't know if there's a fit but it keeps floating back to the surface there's, there's absolutely a fit you make a fit yeah <laughs> okay. but, but I don't know if they've
2: got the dough or, and and the inclination to do that
0: I think I don't know I think they could do both Freeman and uh, Ramirez I think oh they can yeah. <laughs> I think that, that's you know
2: let's just do that it would be fantastic that would be so much fun
1: um, what do we think they actually need to do as before the season starts? Uh, what's holder? <laughs> <All right. laughs>
2: I think they they get a third baseman, um, whether it's Jose Ramirez or Catel Marte or um, you know those are the, the top of the line guys. And it, but if you do that, then you need to go get another outfielder because you've probably traded Lourdes Curiel. Mm-hmm. Um, the these you say Kikuchi thing was pretty strong just before the lockout. I wonder if they're not going to go after him, um, and uh, and you know I wrote a whole big column about the DH options out there on the on the market. I can see a Jock Peterson coming to be the DH. Um, I don't think they'll get Kyle Schwarber, but th- those are the sorts of things I see them doing.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know the the window is now, right? I mean, if you look at projections, they're like. I forget which system has them as like the team with the right, like as, as rosters stand right now is the, the third highest wins in baseball or something like that. Like this is uh, uh, they're going to, they're going to do some real stuff there. This isn't, this isn't 2017 where they're like, Oh, well, we're looking for bargains on the mid tier of the market just so we can maybe flip them. It's like, but you know, I, I, this has all been discussed before. You know, they're, they, 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 they probably made most of their long term plays because they do have to think about that. but,
1: um, yeah is it yeah, possible they're, they're, like they they do
0: some real stuff i think
1: still. like that they might be a team uniquely um qualified to do because there's gonna be so many guys that that are available, and maybe some yeah. panic is the wrong word, but just i I gotta get somewhere I gotta sign that maybe we see a couple of these like one year deals like we did see last year with the team, and maybe that's a way that you kind of without tying yourself up long term. He grab a, a free agent on a one year kind of high salary deal and, and see what that looks like. It panned out for them pretty well last year.
2: Yeah, I, I I think the guys that are out there, I don't think it'll take I mean, maybe if you're talking about somebody like Chris Bryant, I don't think it'll take twenty million to sign him to a one year deal. But
0: like I like could Fordo maybe. Yeah. Like a people who talked about a one year deal maybe.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. but and uh, he's got a lot of teams interested in him, but he would he would look great uh with the Blue Jays for sure. Um, I don't think there are as many, and I don't think there's anyone who's going to be a Marcus Simeon, um, on that one year deal,
0: (laughs) the once in a lifetime thing there, yeah,
2: yeah, but but uh, but yeah, I I think that there will be some roster fill that way of good players, all right, not the roster fill that you know we (laughs) saw
1: from. No, unless in eighteen the, and nineteen. <laughs> unless they get to, the,
0: unless the playoffs are fourteen teams, in which case they don't have to worry about it.
1: No, exactly. Because I saw one projection <laughs> that had them at eighty-nine wins, and I was, and again, all of this knowing that none of these teams have completely filled their rosters. You have to go on, right? Uh, it's not so going to be those enough. Are uh,
2: useless? Yeah, yeah,
1: fair enough. Um, eighty-nine wins
2: will absolutely be enough in an expanded playoff. Yes,
1: though. no, for sure. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Um, I still, it's going to take a little getting used to. To to not think about uh, all those years in the, the AL East where, you know, 80 some hot wins wasn't anywhere close to enough. So I just want to ask you so quickly before we wrap up, what do we expect out of Ryu this year? And mainly you know we saw him get off to a pretty good start then fade down the stretch he wasn't as as reliable as you wanted him to be some of the fall off i, I don't know what appeared to land when they started to crack down on the on the sticky stuff but we've seen even 1 mile per hour off his stuff is is hugely problematic for him and you know he's starting to get to a point where that could be his new reality. Are we expecting a bounce back for a pitcher like that? Or do you have to be prepared for the fact he may now be a bottom of the rotation type of guy?
2: I think they're fine if he's their fourth starter, to be honest with you, but I I expect him to be okay. I expect him to be, you know, I think what happened last year was, um, you know, when, when you sign Ryu, you say, well, if we're going to get 25 starts out of him, that's phenomenal, but they ran him into the ground, and and he, you know, had pitched more last year than I, I think he'd had one year out of the last eight where he pitched as many innings as he did last year, and I, I just think it's too much to expect for him to stay um, at the top of his game when he's a guy that you kind of know that you have to baby, and they didn't, um, and well, I think they, this well, year it'll be different.
0: Well, they were they're. they're... Pulling Alc Manoa out of like, like he'd played six weeks of Pro right. Bowl. Right. Like, yeah. You know, they, they kind of had to. But yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right. And that's, I mean, that was the thing when he signed and that was the thing when he entered free agency. Like, uh, the way that the Dodgers used him and would and skip starts and make sure to give him a, a little bit of extra rest. And that's obviously just going to be uh, more important going forward, uh, which I think they can manage. I think I. You know, he was real good for like the first four months of the year, basically. Yeah. Uh, not, not, not twenty twenty good, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if a bounce back is right, but I don't think that you have to. I, I don't think you. I, I don't think anybody should think that September or August September Ryu is is the new normal. I okay. Think there's, uh, there is a happy medium there, and yeah, if he's the fourth starter, then then, then you're real happy with it. Well, I the, the shame about Ryu is like he's going to end that contract with how many starts. In, in in the Rogers Center,
2: right? Yeah, like seven.
0: Uh, like, we barely like we, you know, and he was he's he was so good, and I, I love watching him pitch personally. Like uh, uh, as a as an old man of of uh, of size, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I like he like very into very into Ryu, and uh, and I wish had I've had I wish I'd had more opportunities to. Uh, to see him in person. I you know there's still a couple years left on the deal, but uh well that's a shame and it's a shame about, you know, the whole the whole team, you know, just the, they barely played in Toronto. Bo and, Bo and Vlad have barely played played yeah. in Toronto and now we're losing games again. Like it it's uh it, that's that's just that's so bad for the game and bad uh, and bad for the Blue Jays and for the city and and for the fans who are already here and the fans that could be made. Uh, by virtue of the fact that you know, if we had had three normal years where the Blue Jays actually played at home, I think it would, it would, it, would, it could be a different thing. Uh, and yet here we are with uh,
1: the game being held hostage. No, you're totally right about that, right? In terms of this this young up and coming core, and uh, that's one factor that Toronto is dealing with that hasn't been the same across baseball. Everyone had the shortened season, and whether it had to be as short as it was, obviously it didn't, and there were some limitations with COVID that every state dealt with differently. But Toronto is the only team that has looked like this for the last whatever it's been now, right? Two and a half years where fans couldn't get anywhere near their team for most of it. And you were seeing all this excitement and growth and stuff and, and Toronto fans had missed out on all of it. So we're all in the same storm, but not all in the same boat, I guess, as they say. Um,
0: and it's so I, I feel you're about to wrap up. I was going to say just to, to, cause, you know, Mike because Mike has been around the team for a very long time and is is, uh, is well versed in the history of the team and says literally anybody, but it's like you know imagine missing eighty three eighty four before you know going into eighty it, it that swell of of, mm-hmm. of all of that coming together would be so different if there, if you'd missed you know such prime
2: you know. I could have missed the last couple of months of eighty three
0: well, so. <laughs> well that's, that's fair yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's just it's just such
2: a shame it's such a shame it really it's it's very very true and and it is i mean it's it's felt like that this sort of bubbling about to explode for a few
1: years right now and um we've been watching it get booed by Yankee fans games. in buffalo like. yeah
2: exactly <laughs>
1: uh so why don't you guys take a second here just as we wrap up tell the good people where they can find your work where they can hear your work uh, mike you go first
2: well, you can find me in the pages of the Toronto Star when there's baseball to write about. And hope, hopefully um, uh, I won't have to like simulate games like I did in 2020, uh, but we'll see about that. Uh, the Toronto Star, the com, and uh, Deep Left Field is the podcast every Thursday. Um, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at DeepLFPodcast. You can follow me at Wilderness. Um, and you can get the podcast wherever finer podcasts are sold.
1: <laughs> I thought the pod you did there a couple of weeks ago with, uh, well, with Andrew here and, and Ben and Arden and Drew was, was awesome. It was a great listen. So people should go back yeah, and, and scroll that. through Thanks. and check that out. Yeah. yeah. Andrew.
0: Uh, yeah, you can find me at the batflip.ca, uh, which is a Substack. you can, uh, powered by the generosity of, uh, of, of readers, which is, uh, uh, been very heartwarming and also very like frightening because i'm like oh no uh, there's no baseball to write about <laughs> and uh, like Mike says like i did I did the pointless busy work thing in twenty twenty <laughs> i you know i don't i don't know if this i don't know if this helps anybody to if i to to do just pointless garbage to fill time until the stuff actually really starts happening that people care about uh nonetheless i you know i've tried to bone up on, uh, on my uh, American labor law <laughs> uh, and my, my understanding of collective bargaining, which has been uh, uh, something I've been dreading for about four years. That, that is what has, of course, come to fruition. Uh, but you can find me there uh, less frequently than uh, when there's actually interesting things to talk about. Um, but there will always be content coming. Uh, plus, uh, Blue Jays Happy Hour uh, is my podcast uh, with Nick Ashbourne. Uh, which we typically do every Friday, uh, which uh, is currently uh, in limbo because there's nothing to talk about. Because we don't want to talk about all of this once a week, right? No, <laughs> it's uh, it's not great. So uh, uh, so screw you, Rob Manfred is basically what I'm what I'm saying. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter as well, where I'll say even worse things about Rob Manfred <laughs> than that.
1: Uh, I could say for sure that the, the bat flip's been well worth the <laughs> subscription. So, highly recommend that to the good thank listeners you. as well. I uh, want to thank you both for your time. Appreciate you, uh, you making some time for, uh, for our show. And, and hopefully, the next time we do this, is we're talking about actual baseball on the field. But uh, thank you both so much for your time.
2: All right. We'll see you at the All Star break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Damn it,
0: Mike. Yeah, thanks so much, Don. <laughs> thank you. I am unhappy.
2: With the confusing and at times confrontational nature of that meeting, I wanted it to go better.
1: I wanted it to go better! Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by
2: searching Tall can Audio on your favorite podcast app.